all who are watching this or listening. We are glad that you have taken the time to join us. We pray that all things that we do this day will be to the glory of God and that we're able to build one another up. And that perhaps there'll be something said from God's word today that will cause you to have a change of heart. We know that God's word has that ability. I'm glad that Jack mentioned earlier that it's Mother's Day. Uh, I'd, I'd pull one of these and say, well, I, I forgot all about it and would, uh, would come up with a sermon real quick, but you know better than that. Uh, it is a sermon that I have prepared for, for Mother's Day. And thinking back, my mother has been gone for over a quarter of a century now, but I can still hear words in the back of my mind that my mother would say over and over. Uh, one of those that I would remember is... Uh, uh, you're going to be late for the bus. She would say that virtually every morning. It didn't matter how well uh, dressed we were, ready to go out the door, she'd always say, you're going to be late for the bus. Uh, the second one was a little bit more of a forewarning. You just wait till your father gets home. And uh, one of the other ones I remember her saying was, um, uh, one never knows, does one? She'd always have those little quizzical ones. But that's one that I remembered if my uh, sisters were listening, they would understand uh, and get a big chuckle out of that. The verse that we're going to be reading from today is found from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. And this is one of the verses that we would have read this week. And it is typically not a verse that, at first glance, is one that reminds us of Mother's Day. In Luke, chapter 23, let's back up to verse 44. Luke, chapter 23, verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. In that last verse, in verse 46, where it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They mention it, it's not one that we typically think of, in terms of Mother Day, but I believe that by the end of the sermon, you'll understand a little better why Jesus actually said this. One of the verses I often turn to, and when I read it, I, I get a, a great deal of satisfaction, is found from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Jesus has finished telling the parable of the sower, and as we come down to verse 52, he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. A saying that, that speaks of those who are going to learn of the kingdom are going to bring out treasures of old and new. And that, the old speaking here is of the Old Testament the new being those things which they will learn of the, the kingdom. And I can't help but think of that as we, uh, as we think about those things of Jesus and the last saying, and Jesus had seven sayings upon the cross, and this last one that he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, is, a, is especially significant as we go about. And I want to look at a mother's responsibility, but I also want to start out in saying that uh, from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, uh, we often think that it is the father's responsibility to, uh, to bring up children. And consider what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus 
In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul writes, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, So Paul gives that admonition to the fathers here, and he uses two words here for training, for nurture, which is training and education, and admonition, which is uh, warnings and rebukes. So that is the father's responsibility in this. Uh, We find that this is uh, is consistent with uh, what we read in the the book of Hebrews. The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, for the Lord, beginning in verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have endured. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which you have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? So we we see that over and over the scriptures emphasize the fact that it was the fathers uh, who were going to discipline the children. Uh, consistent with what we read from the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 24, which says, whoever spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. David was one who was known as a man after God's own heart. However, we find that later on in David's life, as David is close to death, that his sons were uh, going for a position of wanting to take over the uh, the crown in First Kings chapter one and verse six, and we're laying the foundation for mothers and fathers. And we'll get to mothers here. Uh, we find that David had failed to raise his children in a certain way. In First Kings chapter one and verse six, his father had not at any time, speaking about Adonijah, had not at any time displeased him by asking, "Why have you done thus and so?" He was also very handsome, and he was born next after Absalom. So Adonijah was a man whom David had never taken the time to discipline him or to tell him no. He was one of these perhaps privileged children, and David had neglected raising his son. We also find this is consistent with Eli, from 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13. Uh, as they come down and the, the prophecy is given against Eli, it says, I declare to him that I am about to punish his house, speaking of Eli's house, for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. So we see that, uh, that God is very specific about fathers raising children. And now we come down to the, the portion of mothers. As we look at the home and the mothers, the home that the mothers provide. Very quickly went to the fathers. Perhaps one of my favorite passages when it speaks to this is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 That chapter in the Old Testament begins by telling us, in verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. And so the first nine verses deal with things that uh, his mother told him specific. And then he comes down to verse 10 and says, an excellent wife who can find, uh, she is far more precious than jewels. And we continue down and we'll begin reading in verse 26. Verse 26, we'll read down through the end of the chapter. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. 
her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. I think this is a verse that is well worth reading at this time when we talk about mothers and the honor that we give them on this day. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. We give... We give credence for sure to the place that the father has in the home, but yet I believe it's, it's one of those things that we would all admit that it is the mother who is responsible for raising the children and much greater influence than perhaps we, uh, we have considered in the first few verses we read about the father bringing up the children and the nurture and admonition. Here we find in Proverbs 31, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And consider what Paul wrote to Timothy in the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. And there are two passages in uh, this second letter that Paul writes. The first one is in the first chapter, beginning of verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And such a, a short verse, and yet filled with great wisdom in it. We continue down to the third chapter of Paul's second letter to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now we weave those two verses together, three verses really, and we find out that, Paul, that uh, Paul is telling that Timothy's greatest influence was from his grandmother and his mother. It says, tells us that from his youth, it was his mother and grandmother who brought the scriptures to him. And this is consistent with what we're going to bring as far as the mother's influence. So we come back to our reading in Luke chapter 23. We've laid a little bit of the groundwork. We look at how, for Timothy, it was his mother and grandmother who laid that foundation, who brought those things to him. We find that this is very consistent if you read the history uh, of, the, of the Jews and especially read the rabbis' uh, writings of this. We come to the passage in Luke 23 in verse 46. It says, calling out with a loud voice, says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And... If you do a quick reference on this, you'll find that this is actually a quote from the Old Testament, from Psalm 31, verse 5. It is an exact uh, reading of that verse. And being familiar with what the rabbis wrote about this, this would have been a prayer that was uttered. It was the last prayer that a Jewish person would recite before they go to bed. It's very common amongst them in which they would say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And some would pray that if you should take me this night, I commit my spirit to you. But if I make it till the morning, I've committed my spirit to you, and then I will become your servant again in the morning. But if this is my last day, into your hands I commit my spirit. Where would Jesus have learned this from? Well, 
we might call him as John chapter 1 calls him. He would be the word. He was the originator of all of this. He was the one who gave that word out. Uh, but he would have learned this from his mother. This would have been something that he would have heard on a daily basis from his mother as well as uh, his father. But the mother would have been the great influence upon him. We turn back to, go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 gives us some insight into Jesus' early life as a young infant. Uh, in verse 27 of Luke chapter 2. It says, and he came in the spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him according to the custom of the law. And the custom of the law was uh, prescribed that the newborn child would be brought into the temple. So the parents were very much uh, akin to doing the things according to the custom of the law. And there's one way that you'll know what the custom of the law is, and that is to be familiar uh, with it. We drop down to verse 42, and we're, again, we're laying the groundwork. Uh, let's back up to verse 41 of Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Again, the parents were very much, and it tells us, every year they went up to the feast of the Passover, uh, went up according to the custom. Now, we go to verse, chapter 4. And verse 16, using a lot of these verses to, uh, again, back up this, we find that Jesus is an adult at this point in Luke chapter 4. It tells us, beginning in verse 16, Luke chapter 4, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Uh, so again, as was his custom. How did Jesus learn these things? It is apparent from what we find in chapter 2 that his parents did things according to the custom of the law. They went to the Passover every year in Jerusalem, which was not an easy trek, for they lived in northern Palestine. They would have made that trip from uh, Galilee uh, down to Jerusalem. Uh, it may have been several days' journey. I don't know how long it took. It does not give us, but it was a, uh, a trip that they would make. Uh, and tells us that they made that trip every year. It was his custom to do this. Uh, one last verse, we talk about customs. We'll go to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is on the final night of his uh, life here on earth. Luke chapter 22, let's start in verse 39. It tells us, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. It was Jesus' custom to come out to here, but what was he doing according to that custom? He would come out here to spend time alone and to pray to God. We find that Jesus did that many times uh, in his life, that he went out into the mountains and spent the night in prayer. So we've laid the groundwork and looked at the custom that Jesus learned as a child. Uh, he came in the flesh. It was a responsibility of the parents. One thing that I 
uh, I've picked out when I have read from the Old Testament, as you read in the book of Chronicles and Kings, that when a king is introduced, they will introduce who his mother was. They'll tell who the father was, but they'll also tell who the mother was. And it gives us an insight into the mothers had a great deal of influence on them. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55, as Jesus comes to his hometown and he begins to preach, the people are absolutely amazed by his teaching. And the first thing they tell us in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? In Mark chapter 6 verse 3, then they say, is this not the carpenter? It was very much in the family tradition that a son brought up would follow the tradition and work as the father had worked. This is much more in keeping with uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 where it says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old he will not depart from it. Uh, the Jews believed that this was as much speaking about how a son was going to follow his father as it was about training them. It was very important to train up a son in the way that he was, should go as far as his work and the, uh, what he will do as an adult. Uh, just as important as it was for him to know uh, the uh, virtues that he would have. So now we come down to Psalm 31, verse 5, and find that Jesus says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. This is the last saying that Jesus uh, says while he is on earth, and it says that he breathed his last. The very last thing that Jesus says is, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I wonder, and we can only have conjecture and, and think about this in the, uh, the briefest ways, uh, is to think of, was this something that he remembered that his mother uh, had prayed with him as a young man? It's also interesting to note that one of those seven things that Jesus says when he is from the cross is that he would say, woman, behold thy son. He would say to the one who he loved, uh, behold thy mother. Of all of the things that Jesus could have said when he was on the cross, it is interesting to note that it was the care for his mother that he was concerned about. And you might think, well, why was it not the responsibility of Jesus' brothers to take care of the mother? Uh, at one point, as uh, his mother and Siblings were trying to make their way in. And Jesus says, truly, those people who hear and do my words, those are my brothers and sisters and mother and father. Uh, he was concerned about the spiritual condition of his mother. She puts him into the care of John, the disciple whom he loved, rather than into the care of his brothers. There's a lot of tradition that goes on with that. But it's interesting to note of all the things that Jesus says on the cross, those seven sayings, one of those was the care of his mother. So as we, we consider this in, uh, in light of what Jesus learned as a young man, we find that as Jesus, one of the first things that he does when he goes out after receiving the Holy Spirit is to go out into the wilderness and in the temptation. And we see that each time that Jesus is tempted by the devil, how does he respond? It is written. Again, things that he would have learned as a child in the house. It was obvious that Jesus did not follow in the steps of the rabbi. These are things that he would have learned uh, growing up, but he was not a full-fledged rabbi as uh, the full education as we might consider, because uh, even those of the town say, well, where did he get this teaching from? He got this teaching 
from his home, from his mother. So as we think about this, uh, this passage, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This would have been something that he would have heard over and over uh, as a young man growing up. And truly, it was the last thing that he said before he gave up the ghost. We think about these precious times that we have, especially in the, uh, the crisis that is around us, and many people are unable to visit their mother this day. And, and Jack had mentioned earlier, if you're able to call your mother this day, it is important that we give honor to whom honor is due. And on this day, we honor our mothers because it is there that we learn uh, those principles of life. And mothers, you understand all too well of the task that you have been given. Uh, the old saying that I've heard for many, many years is the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. So as we end this sermon, a very short one, in giving honor to our uh, mothers this day, remember all of those things that you have learned from your mother. And mother, we want to encourage you and do whatever we can to help you in this time not only these days, but all days to uh, provide the uh, spiritual nourishment for you and for your children uh, as well. In a few moments, Tim is going to lead us in a closing song, but I'd like to lead us in a uh, closing prayer before we sing uh, that song. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you at this time, and we want to give you all of the glory and the praise that is due to you. Uh, we would speak until our voices gave out and air was no longer available to us and still would not be enough praise and honor to give to you. But accept our praise this day as we come to you through your son who gave the best of what he had. You understand what it is like to lose a son. Father, we pray that uh, as we come to you through your son that we would remember the great sacrifice that was made for us and each of us help us to uh, be about the business of your kingdom this day. We pray for strength for uh, mothers as they are raising children. We pray that children will look to their mothers and give them the due respect uh, as it is proper. Father, we thank you for the time that we have had here together. And may your word rest in our hearts and cause us to have a closer walk with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.